Yo, this is Sam Sports Podcast. It's Sunday, June 19th, 2016. Father's Day. Happy Father's Day. Happy Father's Day to uh, all the fathers out there. For people who still have their fathers, think of them. For people who don't, think of them. Give them that moment. It's a beautiful day. It's a beautiful day to be alive. It's a beautiful day to talk some sports. And uh, here on Sam Sports Podcast today, I'm going to be talking to my dad, Dr. Mark, Dr. Mark Rosenberg, the man who knows basketball and uh, has been showing me how to love basketball my entire life. I thought, what better way to celebrate Father's Day than to call my dad and talk about Game 7 of the NBA Finals. That's right, 2016, LeBron James and the Cleveland Cavaliers, Steph Curry and the Golden State Warriors. It's going to be a grudge match tonight. Game 7, I'm so excited and uh, I thought it would just be very appropriate and uh, and perfect to talk with my dad about Game 7 today. And uh, so that's going to be our Father's Day present. That's my Father's Day present. I'm going to cherish it forever. And it's a Father's Day present for everyone out there who, uh, who loves basketball and can enjoy having a Game 7 today. So I'm going to stop talking. Without any further ado, me and my dad talking about Game 7. Okay, I would like to welcome to the show... A uh, longtime fan of mine, just happens to be my father, Dr. Mark Rosenberg, the uh, owner and purveyor of Voorhees Veterinary Center. Uh, we're going to talk some NBA Finals today. Let's jump into some Game 6. I really, uh, really want to know, what do you think was the difference maker for the Cavaliers winning Game 6? Dad, take it away. Well, they've got two superstars who are... When they are on their game, they are virtually unstoppable. Mm -hmm. And you combine that with Golden State getting off to a weak first quarter. Mm -hmm. And that pretty much was the story of the game. Yeah. I'm not sure why Golden State was not energized during that first quarter. I'm not sure why they just didn't run out there, but they didn't. I mean, what do you you think it could have been? Part of me thinks it might have been the crowd. Another part of me thinks it could have been uh, the the lack of Bogut and and Iguodala dealing with some injury issues. Well, I'm not sure I agree there. First of all, um, home court often, if you see the line on the game, it, on game seven, it's the Warriors by five, which is simply a home court advantage. Mm-hmm. Uh, that essentially means odds makers think that the odds are even. Mm-hmm. Uh, that being said, Iguodala did not start to show problems with his back until the second half. So mm-hmm. the first half, uh, he was the player that we know. Yeah. Um, the aggression and the dominance of the of the boards in the first quarter, uh, I have to lay at the feet of energy and inspiration on the part of the Cavs. Yeah. And desperation because their backs were to the wall. Yeah. And the fact that the Warriors, um, they did not have the motivation necessary to go out in that first quarter and uh, balance this game out. Yeah. Because the first quarter determined the outcome. Yeah. They had a back and forth. They had, they made runs at them. Uh, at some point, the, the Warriors scored, I think, 12 points, 12, 12 unanswered points yeah. to the Cavaliers, but they had dug that hole. Yeah, and... So, 
ahead. It was no, it was very physical from the Cavaliers, and Tristan Thompson uh, really brought an awful lot, even in that first quarter. I thought LeBron was very physical. I thought uh, Kyrie Irving, you know, when he gets hot and starts shooting, I mean, it just kept. Go- it was like a waterfall. He just continued to hit these these amazing shots, similar to Game Three. It felt like Game Three all over again. They came out guns blazing. The crowd was in their favor. And as soon as they built up a strong enough lead, you know, you said it. The first quarter was the entire game. Well, let's... uh, And, you know, we can be Monday morning quarterbacks as far as the first... uh, as game six is concerned. Mm -hmm. I think that adds to our database for assessing game seven and what we have to expect. Mm -hmm. And that's what I'm excited about. These two teams actually played a bunch of games in this playoff, uh, only one of which was really very interesting. The others were either lopsided on the part of Cleveland or mm-hmm. lopsided on the part of the, of the, of the uh, Warriors. Yeah. So now we have a game where I don't think you're going to see that's the case. Mm-hmm. And that's what makes it so interesting. Mm-hmm. This is really comes down to uh, a coach's duel uh, for the most part mm-hmm. because each team is anticipating what the other is going to bring and they're trying to make adjustments. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's what has to be going through the mind of both coaches. There's no doubt that they cannot let Irving and James have their way with them completely. Mm-hmm. I think Steve Kerr says, listen, we got to shut down one of these guys because uh, two of them can beat us, but one of them can't. Mm-hmm. So first they have to pick the guy. I think the guy they're going to pick is Irving. Okay. Uh, I think they can throw multiple people at him frequently, which will cut his stamina. You have someone like Barbosa that runs around. You can oversize him with throwing a McAdoo at him. Mm-hmm. You don't have those same options with James. James is going to do what he's going to do. Mm-hmm. And as I've told you, when you were younger, they did the same thing with Will Chamberlain. Yeah. They say, let's give him, give him his 50 points. That's not going to beat us. Mm-hmm. Let's stop everybody else. Mm-hmm. And I think you're going to see the Warriors start to do some trapping. Yep, trapping. Off the momentum of the Cavaliers. Mm-hmm. I think you're going to see them running people in and out a lot because... They have a fairly deep bench that works very hard. Mm-hmm. Uh, Barbosa is is really energized and helps. Uh, Iguodala is uh, magnificent. Livingston McAdoo was a was a pleasant surprise when they put him in in short uh, spurts. Uh, Spates is a mild defensive liability. Yeah, but they can't cheat on him because you know if you leave him up up along the top of the key, uh, he can shoot means you're drawing your big man out, yes, and he can shoot. So I think the way you play these players, you, the coach, is going to have a lot to do with the momentum that wins this game. And I feel that uh, the coach, you're really spot on with the coach's sort of chess match there. Uh, and I got to give some credit to coach Teron Liu. I've seen some things over the course of the series which have you know shown me adjustments that I think have been effective. If you notice the last couple of games, Della Vadova is out of the rotation and Channing Frye is out of the rotation. 
Um, you know, focusing more on Richard Jefferson. He still has Kevin Love in the rotation, but I I do feel that Richard Jefferson, even even the amount of Shumpert that he's put out there, has really struck a, nus- a, a nice balance in matching up against this Warriors team. Uh, I don't know if it's going to be enough, but it has allowed for more of LeBron to thrive, more of Kyrie Irving to thrive. Um, but again, you were mentioning about trapping on Kyrie Irving. I think that it will be something the Warriors do tonight. Um, I think it's definitely going to be clogging up some of their offense. And if Kyrie doesn't get off hot, if he doesn't start and hit a handful of shots or score even, you know, like I think he wants to score double digits in the first quarter to feel like he's got something going. And if that doesn't happen, if he starts off a little cold, I can see the Warriors creeping in and, you know, a few threes by Clay and Steph, and all of a sudden, you know, it's the Warriors feeling the momentum. Do you agree with that? Well, it's interesting. Uh, There's a couple points I want to make in response to what you said. It's interesting that Kyrie Irving and LeBron James have to get off as they have in these past games in order for Cleveland to be able to deal with Golden State. Yeah. I think Steve Kerr is saying if we can get any type of control on these two guys, we're going to let the the rest of the Cleveland team try to beat us. The Kevin Loves, the J.R. Smiths. That's right, and I don't think they can. They're mm-hmm. decent ball players, but I don't think they can. Yeah. I also don't think it's any coaching coup to decrease uh, Del Vidova's uh, minutes, you can see that the, with the pressure and intensity of the finals, Del Vadova, who is as intense a player as there is, was still just a little out of his league. I agree. He's just a step slow. He, I mean, you I know, don't want to take anything away from this guy, but you know, this is a very special group of players. Yeah. And he is a he's a hardworking laborer. Yeah, and you not, know, he's not on the caliber of a defense level. You know, even like a, a J.R. Smith or a Kyrie Irving, and this is the finals, and, you know, those guys have got to play, you know, the big minutes. I, I You had mentioned the other day when I was talking to you that this is this is game seven. There's no holding back on minutes. There's no – this is the end of the season. It's like you play every single minute if you can play every single minute. That's right. You have to make sure that your players are not fatigued and you can read it that way, but – no longer the mandatory uh, two-minute sit-down at the end of a quarter per carry is is necessary, depending on the strategies and what wants to be accomplished in the game. Mm-hmm. Um, Vadova might be thrown out there to take some fouls mm-hmm. or to be an irritant. Uh, Richard Jefferson is a wise old player, but I emphasize the word old. Yeah. The, the pace of these games and the stamina necessary uh, is something that has to be considered, and so therefore Jefferson has to be used carefully and for the right about a minutes. Yeah, because um, he can be very effective when he's out there, but if he's fatigued in the third or fourth quarter, uh, you know, it's, it's funny now that we're talking about how much of an important piece Richard Jefferson is to this Cavaliers team. But it, listen, it's, it is what it is. We're here now, and the minutes he's bringing out there against this matchup of the Warriors is really beneficial for him. But you said it. He's old. He's up there. He's been around in this league a long time, I think at least 13 years. And if he's fatigued in the fourth quarter when you need his defense, 
that can be the difference between a couple of buckets. There's, a, there, there's another thing I want to mention. Okay. Some of the games that Cleveland did not do well in, Irving and or James were not hitting their jumpers. I agree. I agree. I mean, LeBron wasn't hitting any jumpers until about game three that or four. Being said, all of the games, when we're talking about the Splash Brothers, mm-hmm. um, there were periods when they were not here hitting their jumpers. Mm-hmm. I mean, we clearly saw that with Thompson and with Kerry. Mm-hmm. But it never was for the game. There was always a period in every one of these games where they started dropping. Mm-hmm. So you're never going, you don't, in other words, if Cleveland comes out and these guys aren't hitting, uh, things start to look very bad because they try to compensate and they can't, because uh, their stars just can't score because, yeah. uh, but that's not true with the Warriors. At some point in one or two of these quarters, if these guys are missing, oh, they started off the game the other night, they were over 9, if you recall. I, I do. Suddenly, they, suddenly they, they start trying. They will not go a whole game missing their threes. I agree. And their shots because they are told, you keep shooting because your job is to shoot mm-hmm. and they're going to go in. And they do. Now, we like it when they go in, when they, you know, shoot 60% or 70% from three. Mm-hmm. And that dazzles us. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't have to be the case. Mm-hmm. Now, admittedly, they are going to. Uh, collapse and crush on Curry, and uh, they're essentially saying to the Warriors, we're going to shut this man down because we don't want him to beat us. Mm-hmm. If we're going to get beaten, we want somebody else to do it. Yeah, Clay Thompson. And Clay Thompson, uh, Green, somebody. And, and Draymond, I'm really... Is, this, is why, this, this is why Curry is seemingly not having that good a series. Hmm. They are devoting so much energy and so much resources to him it's almost worth him taking on uh, that all of that uh, static, so that the rest of his ball players, you know, can be free. The one thing you feel notice about Iguodala, when he has the ball within the offensive set, he can do anything he wants. He doesn't always, but he could drive to the basket. He could take a three. Nobody is really contesting him. Yeah, and it's not because they don't want to. It's because. They have their prior uh, carries their priority. Yeah, and Thompson is their second. Yeah, there's no room to really, to really uh, clamp down on a third player. I I saw that in Game Four. Igwood when there was some struggle with the offense, Iguodala was the one who started scoring. And if Iguodala but scores he, double digits, you see when he gets he got the ball, he would literally stand, look around for some other players because that's the player is to pass. Yeah, and then finally he'd shoot a three because. He's standing there, essentially, with nobody guarding him. Yeah. They would, they would really slide off of him and give him a lot of room. They're kind of daring him to score. And it was painful in Game 6 because he was injured with that, you know, th- that sore back. He started missing some shots. And it was a shame because, you know, they sag off of him so much. You know, they give him a lot of that space. They're kind of daring him to shoot. Um, you know, because, listen, he's not known as an offensive threat. But I think he's a good shooter. Well, I wouldn't say. I mean, I watched him in Philadelphia for years. He can go to the hoop. That's true. He goes and he gets up and... Uh, and he's got that pretty rainbow three-pointer. Yeah, he, it's an adequate three-pointer, but he can step by you and go and jam. And you see the offensive rebounds that he puts back in. Yeah. He, he's up there, elbows above the rim. Yeah. Uh, 
uh, great passer he's too. Dangerous. They just they just have to pick their poison. He's dangerous, but they can't afford to clamp on him because it's going to leave uh, Curry, Thompson, or Green too much breathing room. Do you have any doubt that Iguodala is going to start tonight? Well, I would never know uh, with Steve Kerr. They are going to want to start out by by they they want to clamp down on. Either Irving or James. They want to make an effort there. Um, Iguodala is a defensive ace. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. Uh, I think they also, they've gotten burned playing small ball early mm-hmm. in the game. You know, when, they, when they're when they up six or eight points or ten points, they can put a small lineup in. And that aggravates Cleveland because Cleveland is playing catch-up ball. Yeah. But when they are down, or when a game has started even, they put a small team in. Cleveland has been crushing them on the boards. Yeah, yeah, Tristan Thompson. Tristan Thompson. I'm telling you, my no. new big three is LeBron James, Kyrie Irving, Tristan Thompson. Now, Tristan Thompson, this is why I'm saying, if you, if you start Iguodala, um... They started off pretty well when they used to start Bogut for that first seven or eight minutes. Yeah. He took up space. He blocked shots well. The question is, do you put another center in there? Like, are you saying you know? maybe start Azili? Which is, I've seen happen. He started Azili. Um, I I don't I don't I don't know how positive I feel about starting Festus Azili. I I understand the logic, but I still don't think. I just don't think Thompson. Uh, I don't think they're going to dominate the boards if he's in there. No, I agree. He's he he. I'd rather have Iguodala's defense out there than Azili's defense just to bring out a big lineup and match up against Tristan Thompson. It feels more reactive than proactive. Except Tristan Thompson's rebounding triggered so many other things. They seem to be energized. Yeah. They seem to be the fast breaking off of his rebounding. Azili is. He is, he's a force in there. He he's, tends to neutralize Thompson to a degree. That's that's true. I mean, because he is a, he's, I mean, with Bogut out now, he's one of the only big bodies on the team. Uh, I mean, I feel like the next big body after him is is a Verizhou, and you're not going to start Anderson Verizhou. Um, no. And really, Draymond Green. Draymond Green's the other big body on the team. Well, Draymond Green can play very big. And when he is motivated, uh, he is a bull. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you will lose some of his offensive potential when you designate that role to him. But yeah. I really think the secret here is coming off the boards, getting the defensive rebounds that you are supposed to get. Mm-hmm. If the Warriors get the defensive rebounds they are supposed to get, they will do just fine. Yeah. Because there's, there's not going to be if, those... If, there's right. not going to be now, the exciting, energizing offensive rebound by Tristan Thompson. You see Kyrie Irving missing more shots. When he misses shots, he then likes to play isolation and not pass the ball. Well, if James and Irving are starting to hit shots early, that's going to be a lot of trouble for Golden State. So those are the things to look for uh, early on. But uh, champions that have heart of champions come through in situations like this. And one thing I'll say about Cleveland is they have all-stars and they have great talent, but they're not champions, nor have they been champions. 
Yeah. And Golden State are champions and have been champions. And sometimes when it comes down to crunch time, that what that's what it takes. Now, it could be there's a single player we don't know about, whether it's Terry or Thompson or James, uh, that could explode during this game and make all the difference. Mm-hmm. But that's an outlier, and I don't know if that's where we have to focus. So oh. what I'm seeing now is I think this is going to be a competitive game. You're going to see some interesting adjustments that the coaches have made. And I think the coaches substitution pattern and strategy is going to make the difference between the winner and the loser. And I am picking the Warriors because they are at home. Uh, They don't lose at home multiple times in a row. And um, it's like anything else. The Warriors have uh, lost a couple games in a row. Well, that's never happened before. I don't see why you continue that. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I commend your choice. I, um, my initial pick for this series was the Warriors in six. Um, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna stick with the Warriors to win this game. I agree with you. They are on, they're on their home court. They are champions. Um, you know, the way they've dominated this series, the way they played the first two games, uh, the way they came out in game four and dominated then, you know, the, the, the losses to Cleveland have shown me you know, the, the mortality of the Warriors, um, yes. the truth that they do have some more growing, that I think that they could come back next year an even better team than they were this year. Um, but also, you know, understanding and kind of giving some, you know, appreciation to discussions of, you know, the 96 Bulls saying, you know, we would beat this Warriors team and other Lakers teams saying we would beat this Warriors team. I'm not saying that there's no... That that's all. I'm just kind of saying, ah, you know, I, I, I'm starting to see more of the flaws because it felt like they were a bit unstoppable over the course of the season. And now we see how a team, you know, the Thunder, you know, really took them to the edge. And now we're seeing the Cavaliers take them to the edge. And they've got spots where if you press hard enough, you've got to make them work. Uh, well, the Thunder, the Thunder and the Cavs are the same team with different names. They've yeah. got a couple superstars that can take off, and it's so important when you have teams like that that they are running a team offense. Mm-hmm. And what did the Thunder do? The Thunder halfway through said to Durant, have confidence in your teammates, move the ball around. We know you can score, but you need to get the rest of your team into this. And he did that. Do you remember that game mm-hmm. where he started? Oh, And it, it did make a difference. But now what did they do with James three or four games ago? They said, hey, we know you're a superstar, but you have to get the rest of your team involved. Yeah. Start passing the ball. We saw that game where he's passing it actually too much. Mm-hmm. Well, when you start have to, you start to have to tell a championship level caliber team that they have to start getting their team into the flow of the offense. That makes me worry because the great teams have an offense. And their scoring comes out of the flow of their offense. I agree. And and, and Golden State. The proof of this. The proof of this is this game tonight. This is a team game versus a superstar dominated uh, game. And 
in theory, the team game should win. So that that's really what I'm calling because I don't like to see two superstars play one-on-one ball all night, as good as they are, and score. And I think that's something that should be able to be uh, stopped or controlled. I, uh, I for the for the love of the game, for the integrity of the game, I agree with you, and that is, I think, another you know deep reason and uh, belief behind why I'm picking the Warriors. Uh, I want to give some credit and some love and some appreciation for LeBron James right now. Not just because he's LeBron James. I'm starting to, I think, admit on a deeper level how much I like LeBron James. I think there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of LeBron haters out there. There's, you know, there's a lot of LeBron fans. I think he, you know, after leaving Cleveland, going to Miami, coming back, he's got his own, you know, identity in the world of of NBA fans. But I'm 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 knowing now. I am a big LeBron James fan. I love watching him play. I think he's fantastic. I still think he's the best player in the world right now. I think Steph Curry's amazing. He brings a lot. They they've got different games, um, but LeBron is just brilliant to watch, and it's so mind blowing to see what you just said. It's a superstar driven team against a team team, a true. When the Warriors are clicking, the flow is brilliant. The passing is amazing. They go through and they've got so many players that come in. And, you know, game one of this series, Sean Livingston led the team in scoring and the bench scored 45-odd points and the superstars didn't do anything. But to think... And the, and the offense the offense makes decent players look very good. Look very good. You got Mo Spades uh, and Sean Livingston you, and you, Barbosa. You would, you put Draymond Green on Cleveland. You put him on Oklahoma City. You put him on um, uh, Miami. He's going to be good, but he's not going to be lighting things up. No. Because he doesn't create his own game. His game is created off of the movement and the uh, alertness of uh, the rest of the team. I agree. Uh, that's the beauty of it. You can take players that are good players, sub-superstar players, and make them as effective as superstar players within that offense. I mean, that is part of the magic of this Golden State team. Yes. Uh, the players, the offense, the chemistry of it. I just, LeBron James, the fact that he is able to come to this Cleveland team, the fact that he's able to in a sense, he is the general manager. and I know he's not, but I feel like he is. He's also kind of the coach. He's running the whole friggin' team. He puts together this team. He's able to get them to the playoffs. I don't know if I can say anymore that he dragged the team there. You know, he does, but, it, you know, his role players are contributing where, listen, if he's got no role players contributing, he's not going anywhere. At least the, the Kyrie Irvings, the Kevin Loves are sometimes stepping into the spotlight that they need to be stepping into when they need to be stepping into it to get to the finals. And it's amazing that even against this brilliant, magical 73-win Warriors team, that LeBron and the Cavaliers, the Cleveland Cavaliers, are pushing them to Game 7. They are truly stealing games. I mean... I'm curious to see what next year's finals is. I mean, maybe it's LeBron against a different team. Maybe it's LeBron against the Thunder. And now I'm sitting here thinking that I remember saying the Thunder, if they went to the finals, then they would be the Cavaliers. And I'm I'm a little unclear if I believe that now because LeBron is he's 
He's making me so much of a believer. I'm sitting here saying he can't really come all the way back and do this. And there's a real chance tonight they could. I don't I don't think so. I just I don't see the Warriors falling apart on this stage. And they've done it before. Like the Warriors know what it takes to do this now. And Yeah, that's just what I said yeah. earlier. The wild cards here are one thing I, before we close I should mention is the referee. Okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah. In, it's been very inconsistent because they've changed the standard of contact that they've allowed in this in these finals, and the players are having trouble adjusting to that new standard, and it's causing a lot of temper flares. I agree. I'm hoping that nothing happens where one of the significant players is ejected because the refs have failed to control what's going on on the floor. So you're either going to see them let them play tonight and this hands-off, temper-flaring type of game, or you're going to see them come right out and blow the whistle so if they all know that this is a game where you have to play by the book, I don't know how they're going to handle it. I just know up to now uh, that the refs do not get a good report card. Do you feel that the, the ref, do you feel it's been inconsistent? Like I feel some games they've let them get physical and other games they've been calling a lot. Did, did you feel that way? Not as much. I just feel it's a combination of letting them get physical and also missing calls. I agree. There has been an alarming amount of blown calls this finals. It's true. And I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that we, the, the, the intensity of the coverage and of the camera angles that goes into uh, NBA uh, championship uh, finals yeah. is really pointing up some of the, the human qualities of these refs and that they're only human. Yeah. I mean, and, you, you know, had mentioned... A basketball, player, a basketball player makes four shots out of ten, and he's in the NBA, and a baseball player hits the ball successfully three times out of ten, and he's on an all-star team. And a referee, if he gets things right eight times out of ten, they're rather they throw him out of the league. Yeah. Yeah. It's, that's a very good point you make. And uh, it's, such, it's a very good point. It's also it's such a very pivotal and, in, and influential portion of the game that we judge in a very skewed way, um, you know, the, the refereeing is certainly something which has been, you know, Steve Kerr was fined over it. I think Teron Liu was fined after one of the games for criticizing the refereeing. Yeah. And, and you and I, uh, you know, you mentioned it. The, there was the, the out-of-bounds call where I think the referee called Kyrie Irving out-of-bounds and then we look at the, hot, the replay and clearly in the replay, he's not out-of-bounds at all. It's just a bad call. You know, and to go a step further discussing the... The video highlights, so the play where Draymond Green swipes at LeBron and hits him in the nuts, and it's called for a flagrant foul, and he's suspended for Game 5. Now, that play was not seen by the referees. It was not called. There was no whistle blown. Play did not stop. They continued to play. It was reviewed. Because of what went on, it was reviewed at the time. It was reviewed at the time by the, the referee? Exactly. Okay, I must I must no, have missed that. Remember, because it caused a, it caused a uh, so a much of a of a stir. I mean, they did get into a shouting match. So they, they were. Said, Let's take a look at it. Gotcha. And they take, took a look at it, 
and I think it was a common foul. Yes, it was called a. You are you're absolutely correct. It was called a common right. foul. And then, and then there, and that was after a review at the table during the game. And then, after the NBA took a little time to review it, uh, they decided to have a flagrant. Now, you know, also, just like in Major League Baseball, uh, when a pitcher throws at a batter, the next next couple of innings a pitcher's going to be thrown at the other team. You right. know, it's totally against the rules, but it seems to happen. Yeah. People get that people don't. You know what I'm talking it's about. It's a, a little tit for well, tat, and it's very real. And in the NBA, when a player steps over another player when he's down, it warrants some type of retaliation. That is kind of a no-no. It's a snub that if you do it, you know there's going to be some retaliation. Uh, yeah, I, I heard... I don't I heard Charles Barkley think, talking about that. He had mentioned specifically, someone steps over you, it's... it's yeah, well, he said, yeah, you should hit him in the nuts. That's what he said. It, that he is what he said. There. But what I'm saying is there's some retaliation. It was never Green's intention to hit him in the nuts. I think he wanted to get his hand up and push him away and say, who the hell are you stepping over? Yeah. And... Um, I mean, so, I think he, I did hear he dropped the bitch word. I, I heard that was what they and, talked and, about. And it, so it, it didn't rise to a playgroup one level in my mind because the players went on to play without losing any capability to perform. Mm-hmm. You know, playgroup one often, uh, when uh, Kevin Love got the concussion, got hit in the head there, um, that was a common foul. Even if it was a foul at all. Yeah, I agree. That was running in, and, and, you know, but that did take a player out. Um, I mean, that that way. that's an interesting call because that looked like some very incidental contact. The the Kevin Love concussion, it was, it, it, it was very you know incidental. It you know it's tough to, and I guess they're calling it a flagrant just because. I mean, at that point, they knew that he had a concussion. They knew it was bad, but it's. Well, that's not true, because they let him continue to play. That's right, they let him continue to play, but they did call a flagrant. Yeah, but another atrocious call on their part, they saw someone who got hit in the head, went down, and was down on the floor for probably three minutes. He was down. Because he was down, they had to finish the play, they stopped, they went over him before they burned him up. He clearly had a head injury, and with the movie Concussion Out, with the concussion consciousness all through uh, the all major uh, sports fields, what do they do? They let this guy, who probably said, let me stay in there, coach, like every pro athlete does, they let him go in and continue playing. There's, they're lucky he didn't, you know, drop down unconscious right in the middle of a... Of or, a or vomit on the floor. Subsequential plays. He could have vomited on the but, floor if he had a concussion. Yeah, so... He should have been taken out and evaluated right then, and I'm surprised the NBA has not done anything about this or said anything about allowing someone with taking a hit to the head like that where they were down and continuing to play. What would they have done in the NFL? I mean, if... Right away, that guy, right away, same scenario. Let's think of the same scenario. Put a helmet on Kevin Love. Inadvertently, a guy came around and hit him in the head, and he went down. They would pull him out and they'd run him through a concussion protocol. Yeah, yeah, and and to he, go a step he, further, they waited uh, uh, till after halftime. 
Yeah, they they let they didn't have anyone examine him in halftime. There was no league official or concussion person that attended. And you know, this is a small this is a small thing. Small thing. But when he got hit, now you and I both know because of the rules of the game, there was no foul call. Play had to continue. Yes. So, so play continued for another, you know, they went down the court and the other team took advantage yeah, it of not Yeah, about 40 seconds. Now I can understand play continuing, but how far are we from, you know, saying, giving the ref the, the permission to say, I have to blow the game dead because there's an injured player? Ref can do that. Okay. Ref but he, can do that. I mean, I, and, you know, listen, I guess hindsight's twenty twenty, but, you know, with Kevin Love, he, he went down and he was down. He was on the floor and, you know, they got to let play continue. The re- once they saw the replay and exactly what happened, the refs once again blew it. Yeah, that's true. They, they didn't. Should have, they, they should have ruled that he he be taken out of the game and a examined or whatever the concussion protocol. Yeah, I think it was. I think certain. it was Coach Teron Liu who did it. Finally, because he came in in the third quarter and he looked woozy, and I think I think yeah, Coach Liu called timeout. Maybe yeah. that was a yeah. There was a good reason for him to do that. <laughs> it was like he, he thought he was playing in, on the street. You know, in the, in the on street courts at that point. It's like, uh, can somebody uh, get Kevin to sit down? He doesn't look so hot. Exactly. Oh, yeah. That's a that's right, a very well, good listen, point. I, I'm I'm glad we discussed this. I I'd be curious to see after the game whether how close we were on our analyses. Uh, I think I'm okay. I'm just going to throw out a couple of points before we before we sign off. I definitely think LeBron is going to have a big night. I think he will leave his mark on the game. Uh, I believe that Ke- Kyrie Irving is going to struggle. I think they will trap him. I think they're going to throw Livingston at him to put some size on him. They'll throw Thompson at him to put some size on him. And if he struggles early, I feel he'll struggle throughout the game. Um, I believe J.R. Smith will score, but not enough. I think Kevin Love will be disappearing like he usually does. I think Clay Thompson's going to score more than Steph Curry, and I think Draymond Green is going to have at least a double double, if not a triple double. If that happens with Draymond, then it's it's going to be the Warriors' game, and they'll take it from there. Uh, I I just see LeBron being amazing, and I think, like you said, if they if they shut down just one of them. And I think it's going to be Kyrie Irving. And I think on a road game in Game 7, on the big stage, they can suffocate Kyrie Irving. And that might that's probably going to be enough for the Warriors to take it away. Yeah, it's also time, you know. One thing about shooters, you know, like Kyrie Irving and like LeBron James, mm-hmm. uh, they always have off games because, you know, they're saying you live by the jump shot you die by the jump shot absolutely and they've been hitting everything for the last three games yeah so uh it's very possible that they're not yeah the thing i like about the warriors is they have a plan b when these guys are not hitting yeah they actually out of their offense can start to work other things even involving uh curry and thompson yeah uh backdoor cutting to the basket yeah yeah you know, they have that alternative that I don't think the Cavaliers really... If you see the Cavaliers going to some interesting lineups like Channing Fry and looking for offense in strange places, 
Uh, I think yeah. that that's going to be a bad sign if we see that. And again, no, no, you can't do that tonight. Game you have to go with Duke. seven. Here. Like this is game set. This is going to be. It's a big pressure scenario. Like who is going to be able to step up on the biggest stage? It's going to be high pressure. High, high pressure. Yep, you're right. So uh, listen, right. happy Father's Day, Dad. Well, thank you. This with is a wonderful Father's Day present. This is discussing this ball game with you. Oh, this is Dad. Seriously, this is the best Father's Day present I could ever give or get. I'm I'm excited for this game. This is how many times you get a game seven in the finals? Doesn't happen very often. No, not at all. Not really. Uh, all right. So listen, um, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks for coming on the show. Uh, really appreciate you sharing your thoughts on Game Seven of this 2016 NBA Finals. Cleveland Cavaliers, Golden State Warriors, 3-3, Game 7, 8 o'clock tonight in Oracle Arena, Oakland, California. Dr. Mark, we'll talk to you soon. All right. I love you, buddy. I'll see you. Love you, too. Bye-bye.